From the Defense Acquisition University, this is the Learning Circle. This is the Learning Circle. I'm Anthony Rotolo, and I'm joined today by Dr. Judith Bayless, DAU's Chief Education Advisor. Dr. Bayless visited with me last time to talk about innovation, and we're going to carry on with that theme today. We'll be talking about innovation from the standpoint of discovery, of simply looking at maybe the same old organization with new eyes, or looking at, from a learning and development standpoint, your performance outcomes, but taking the opportunity to suspend those hard beliefs you have about your constraints or those other givens of the way you operate or the box that you're in so that innovation can happen. Dr. Bayless, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. So let me ask you, from a learning and development standpoint, how can innovation inform strategic planning? Well, this was actually something that I started sketching out in my mind and having those water cooler discussions with the colleagues and trusted friends around the office a couple of weeks ago. And what had happened was I had stumbled back across a quote that to date myself decades ago was one of those dorm poster kind of quotes that you put up in your college dorm room. And it was the Proust quote about, you know, discovery being seeing with new eyes. And obviously, I'm not quoting verbatim here, but that there's a difference between seeing new things and seeing with new eyes. And that led me into an internal exploration of innovation within an organization, innovation within a performance context of what people do that we are often fascinated by the things that innovation produces, the the new gadget the world has never seen, the new way of doing something that revolutionizes an industry or a society. Um, we always like to, to pick on, you know, the assembly line, the, the factory designs and, and implementations from Ford Motor Company, you know, this notion of how you built a car being as innovative as the car itself as an innovation. And so the Proust quote to me sort of reminded me that it's not just about the thing that gets created or the service that gets offered, that there's a very human component to innovation that's about how we look at the world and that informs how we think about the world. And so for a learning and development professional and, and the people stuff, um, being my wheelhouse, that sort of set me off on considerations of how do we ensure that when organizational success is the idea or, or the matter under consideration, that when we talk about innovation as an organizational value or something that people are not only enjoy being a part of, but are rewarded for doing, that those connections are being made, that we're truly talking about innovation, not as just the outcome, but in all of the things that were leading up to the outcome to include the human component. How do we see the world around us? Right, right. I'm thinking, you know, the word performance in our learning and development world, performance outcomes, 
There, we have a lot of tying back to what you were saying. You've got me thinking about Henry Ford and assembly lines. And, you know, in learning development in our own right, we have lots and lots of machinery of processes mm-hmm. and tools and methods and templates and ways of doing what we do. But if we are to suspend some of those things that are kind of, again, the box that we're in, and we just think of a performance outcome, that frees us up to look at what we do with new eyes and to kind of like at a minimum as a thought experiment, kind of throw it all away for a moment and ask, you know, how would I do this if I were to start all over again, right? Right. And I think that there's a particular contribution or value there that the learning and development professionals can engage in at the organizational level along those lines, because we're about helping someone do something that wasn't accomplished before or leading up to helping a business outcome be met or a strategic goal be fulfilled that might be new in and of itself or longstanding, but requires new approaches or new tools or new models of doing and thinking in order for that outcome to continue to be fulfilled. And so it really struck me that, you know, this is an area that learning and development folks could have a lot of fun with. How do we see the world around us? How could we see the world around us? How could the world around us look different? And how can those variations in vision help inform organizational planning and the selection of organizational strategies? What's the right thing to do in a different set of environments where your risk and opportunities may be different? And so that notion of seeing with new eyes to me was taking what's comfortable, taking what's normal and finding ways to make that strange, make that a problem, force yourself to look at something as though you've never seen it before and to consider that things you've always accepted is just the way they are to be things that you can touch and change and decide to keep or alter or reject. And so in that process, the opportunity to me became, if you're going through the mental work of doing that, what kinds of opportunities for the organizational mission arise? Are there new spaces in which the organization can provide a product or service that wasn't recognized before? Are there new risks? Are there threats that had not been detected before? And how might you respond to that? How would an organization and the individuals within that organization need to respond to them? Do they have the training? Do they have the tools? Do they have the resources? The things that are kind of classic within the L&D community of, mm-hmm. of what we're about and what we seek to control and to change in, in service to whomever we work for and with, and how does that help our customers? So that was the connection of the dots for me of that acts of discovery can lead to innovative outcomes, that ability to see with new eyes. And individually, personally, one of the thought experiments that I ran and sort of sketched out for myself within the DAU context, we have a long history of serving the acquisition workforce 
and being very focused on their needs and their outcomes. And as an organization, we value being responsible for delivering the best training that we can deliver, delivering the best business consulting that we can deliver, whatever the product or service line is here, you know, focusing that on meeting the customer need and being able to do that with speed and quality and all of those things that you want for your customer to experience. But what if the customer's world changes? We can't keep doing the same things the same way because now we're no longer supporting them. We're no longer helping them. So one of the thought experiments that I went through personally was our customers have to get certified within their career fields. And it goes back to a matter of law. There are legal requirements for them to be certified. It's a very longstanding, very mature model of what certification looks like across all the components of the acquisition workforce. It's a product of its time. And, and that time was in the last century. So what if that went away? What if we were rebuilding from scratch a solution that answers the same need in the current construct? The answer to that need was let's certify 150,000 people who do all these different jobs and engage in very technically difficult and complex problems. And that's what they're doing every day. And and we're going to go out there and help them. And the nature of that help is the certification program. Okay. What if we didn't have that solution at our fingertips? What would an alternate solution be? How would we reconfigure what we do in a different or a new environment where all of the constraints and opportunities now are both up in the air? And going through that sort of sitting behind my desk, scratching my head for 30 minutes going, how does this help me see what I do for my customers differently? How does this help me see my organization differently? How does this help me understand the potential opportunities and potential risks that are out there simply because I was trying to take on that charge, going back to the Prowse quote of, how do I see with new eyes? And for a learning and development person, it sort of struck me that we have a, I think, a deep responsibility to engage in those kinds of thought processes. Maybe not every day, but definitely from time to time, because we're trying to help our customers do better. Absolutely. And what you're talking about is talk about something with very hardened givens. You're talking about a model that was rooted in something that was formulated in a decades old model. And we've been living through an age of disruption where mm-hmm. you've, you've got to question these things. Right. And like we were saying before, when it comes to performance outcomes, we know that there are many new ways to, you know, means and methods of getting people there and possibilities that didn't exist before. So, you know, we have to do that. I wanted to ask you about customers. You've mentioned the word customers a couple of times. And, you know, in innovation and tying back to Ford, you know, Ford, the famous quote was, you know, if I just listened to my customers, I'd be working on a faster horse, right? Right. And we have that book by Clay Christensen on the innovator's dilemma where, you know, you can be kind of entrapped by customer expectations. So this is why we point to Apple so much. There's another example where they kind of decoupled the goal from the means and modes. And so in the example of like the iPhone, you know, here's where, you know, they're looking at what is the experience? What is the um, performance in that realm? 
And if they were just thinking uh, what, what the predominant perceived need was, they might, like BlackBerry, have been wanting you know more and better buttons. And famously, <laughs> they got rid of them all. And it changed everything. So, yeah, just remarkable. So my question, that's a, a, a roundabout way of asking you in learning and development, how can this way of looking at things with new eyes help you understand the customer? The place that I go in, in answering the question is not so much the customer as him or herself. And, and, and I'm going to be sure I clarify what I mean by that because it it struck me again as you were sharing the Apple story and, and of course, the classic tales from Ford Motor Company. But what is it that I can see differently? I have the same customer. I can see the customer differently, but how do I do that? Am I really seeing the customer differently? Am I only listening to the customer express a preference or a desire? Or am I also trying to find ways to look at the environment and the context of the customer's performance differently. And I think that's kind of the fertile ground for the learning and development function. My customer as a human being is who he or she is and always will be. But that customer isn't always going to be expected to show the same performance in the same environment. We're not on the assembly line. And things are much more disruptive and fast paced. And within the DOD context, the nature of threat and the timing of threat, I mean, alarm clock went off yesterday morning, the clock radio goes off to wake me up. And the first thing I'm hearing is about a new cybersecurity threat that is emerging and has just mm. now hit the media. Like what a way to wake up in the morning. Yes. But that means that I need to, if I'm going to function well and and contribute from the learning and development responsibilities I have, I need to understand that that, what does that mean? How did that change what's going on for the people I'm here to serve? And what does their performance now look like? And seeing with new eyes also means what am I trying to look at? Am I trying to look at my customer? Am I trying to look at the constraints and opportunities that are surrounding my customer in her environment and her context? And, bringing that seeing with new eyes value to that. Am I just looking and acknowledging the same old things and thinking that's the way it still is? Or am I trying to turn those things on their head a little bit and step back and go, how do I make that look less familiar to me? Or how do I put that? How do I explore that in a way that allows me to set the expected aside and just observe everything else that's there and take note mm -hmm. of it and, and think through like what that the, means. Uh, standing on your head exercise to get a fresh look at the world. Yeah, I'm not going to be the one who stands on, on my head. But. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to that point, what is it that we've accepted as a constant that's not a constant? And so to, to bring that back to the thought experiment that I ran with myself to see if I could live up to this challenge of seeing with new eyes, again, was going back to the certification model, because so much of our organization functions because we accept that as ground truth and terra firma. 
But a law that's been passed by Congress can be unpassed by Congress. So are we ready to face that kind of a change? And when I got to that point and started considering those variables, that's when the world started to tilt a little bit. And I could go, oh, well, this makes some things interesting. What if that model, which, by the way, it's been a successful model. It's not, you know, the the hard part about this is that when you're in an environment where lots of things have been successful and you know if if what you've been doing is good, then you want to double down and keep doing it. Conversely, it makes it harder, I think, sometimes to pay attention to what change might really That's mean. That's right. There's the tension between investing in the same means that got you here. Right. Versus a world that's changing around you right. and having your ear to the ground and your eyes open. If on, it ain't broke, know. don't fix it. That's right. You know, well, for Ford, the horses weren't broken, but they weren't the transportation vehicle that was needed to do what the world was trying to get done. Right. So that's what, you know, kind of made all of this fascinating uh, for me and bringing it back to how do learning and development personnel and, and professionals in an organization, how do we get to understanding the performance context? Are there in the diversity of voices within a culture, what's our opportunity to say, look, there are lots of different ways to look at the world. Here's one other way. What happens to how we perform our jobs and help others perform our jobs if all these things that were constants are now variables. And I think because we're about that kind of what's often incremental change, let's get the new job aid out so somebody can do something faster. Or let's get the new piece of training out so people can engage a new process without error. They're kind of important things, but very tactical and sometimes transactional. And I think there's an opportunity to be part of the voice in the strategy and the strategic direction and the goal setting voices to say, what is it that the organization really needs to be prepared to do? And in what possible scenario or what various future alternative that we might be likely to face? The other for, for me that was fascinating was sort of recognizing where we may have choices that we didn't think were our choices. What was that seeing with new eyes? And um, I think we sometimes get wrapped into processes and procedures because we need them and we have to be able to execute work and do that effectively. But for a lot of us, most of the time, that means that a decision has already been made and we're just following on with what that decision was. And I think that part of the act of discovery is, hmm, are there decisions that should be revisited? Are there decisions that individuals within an organization or the organization itself might actually have the power and the authority to make, but we're just kind of continuing to go along on what's already been decided? And so that to me became another potential space for innovation. If I can see how decisions get made differently, if I can see various realities or models that have been long relied on as things that, oh, I might be able to poke and prod at that or set that aside as ground truth. And and what would the world look like in its absence? Those are ways of thinking that to me open up space for innovation. 
within an organization and in what it delivers. So we've talked a little bit about our acquisition certification model. How might that be reimagined? Like what are other ways if we were running the thought experiment that something like that could be looked at if we turn it over and and examine it from new angles? So for me, I came to the government after having experienced uh, experiences in my career, both in the private for-profit and the private nonprofit sectors. And so my perspective is, is informed by those experiences. But the thought experiment for me became sort of this moment where I went, hmm, what if this were a corporate environment and acquisitions the product to be delivered? How would the chief learning officer or the senior VP of training in a large corporation, because acquisition is a large product, <laughs> how would that individual, how would that function go to the CEO and say, here are the things that we need to do to make sure our people are capable and ready and performing at their best. Here are the ways in which we develop them. Here's the ways in which we train and support them. What would that look like? And so that was sort of the, to call, to, to, to bring innovation into a thought process. That was sort of my little personal innovative thought moment of, oh, now I'm seeing something in a way that I didn't see it before. What if the backbone of the training mission that my organization, DAU, has isn't backed by law, but similar to corporate America, is backed by bottom line? How does that change how we see what we do? How does that change how we see the problem? And I'm, you know, I'm doing my little air quotes here around the word problem, but it opens up a realm of considerations of what would the opportunities and risk and constraints and threats and success look like in that environment versus the one we're in here? And can I gain ideas? Can I gain information or considerations that I can bring to bear in the actual day-to-day work and needs of my organization. And that to me, again, is it's sort of the work of innovation as, as a person. How do we know what we need to do differently? How do we know what opportunity we need to chase? Right. Or, That's an example where you've got, you may have the same goal, but in a different environment, there's different drivers, I right. think is what you're saying. Right. And so you come at it maybe with a different mentality. And and in the example that occurred to me, sitting back and sort of mentally role-playing that through was the solutions. What would a chief learning officer, what would a training vice president propose to the C-suite was actually something that would probably look remarkably different from the existing model of certification simply because that's the new solution would be a product of its time and its place, just like the existing solution is a product of its origins. And playing those things against each other, I think that's what allows people to have sort of that moment of going, maybe there's something new here to pursue, whether that's a small improvement 
or whether it's a big new thing. But it's what makes innovation go from being a buzzword to something that people can actually bring to bear in fulfilling their responsibilities as professionals. So a lot of this discussion is about seeing. It's about perception. What are the perceptions that are discoverable within an organizational culture? Who, you know, this is a question of who's who in innovation. Who is positioned to see what success looks like? Well, I think that's that's the fundamental question to ask. And speaking from, again, advocating for that learning and development perspective, does the organization know or can the, can the organization recognize who is engaged in performing the mission in ways that lets them have that, what I'll call the Proust moment of putting on new eyes, of seeing something with new eyes? Who knows how well the work is going? Who knows what, not only not what customers are thinking and saying, but what are the conditions that the customers are immersed in? What is the perception of the individuals within an organization of those conditions, of their own conditions? Who's got the moment or the responsibility to stop every once in a while, and, and you brought up, you know, standing on on your head in order to see differently. Who's got that moment where they say, "All right, let's let's flip this over. Let's stop and take that moment and say, let's pretend <laughs> the the power of that kindergarten playground. Let's pretend that the world is something a little bit different or very different for just a few moments." How would we engage? How would we organize? How would we perform? And that to me is at the nexus of where sort of innovation in the learning and development context can be nourished and provide part of that diversity of voices from all the various individuals in an organization to say, hmm, we have an ongoing, especially here at DAU, because our whole mission is about training and and performance and helping our customers do well, you know, to be able to stop and go, hmm, you know, okay, this is success today. What might success look like tomorrow in three years and five years? For whom? Under what conditions? Are we positioning ourselves to be capable of delivering the mission in those environments, in those moments in time? And how do we understand, you know, how do we predict? Hard to do, right? I go back to the story about my alarm clock going off the other morning and here, here's the latest and greatest threat to all cybersecurity of North America or what have you. Those things will continue. So to me, the, the fascinating moment for those of us who are in that learning and development community is that this is a great time for us to stop and think how prepared are we to be innovative? How prepared are we to be innovative in service to what our organization needs done? And what's the ripple effect out from that? What are we really after? So stopping and putting on those new eyes and understanding that they may become um, necessary more frequently and more critically. As, you know, at DOD, where DOD is facing very literal threats um, and, and in other um, segments of life, you know, corporate America and others, they face other kinds of of threats and realities. This is Um, a theme in DOD right now. This is a theme in DOD. You know, we're in a fast changing world. How do we 
keep up with technology? Mm -hmm. How do we work more closely with the technology sector so right. that we can sort of infuse the latest greatest into what we do so that we're not behind, we're with? And so this decoupling of what is the performance goal from all the assumptions of how we do it and what success looks like now and has right. worked is so vital, kind of brings us full circle back to the beginning right. of our conversation. Because ultimately, what are we about? We're about a performance. And everything leading up to that performance, everything that we do to develop individuals within their, their roles and their lives, every constraint that we choose, every opportunity that we engage in, all of those things, I think, can be put in the realm of what we can look at differently and make decisions about how are we getting to that performance? Because at the end of the day, it's the performance that counted, not how many hours of training my team managed to produce in support of that performance. Right. And we're learning so, it's not necessarily a function of quantity, right? Right. Hopefully. So that, you know, that was, that was where I made the connection and how I expressed it. You know, that there is, I think, a, a component of innovation as a, a cultural norm that can be in place within an organization that's, encouraging and allowing on, you know, of pretty basic behavior in, in some ways, not necessarily easy, but, but a pretty straightforward behavior of how do I make the world a little bit strange to me so I can see it differently? How do I set back and look with new eyes? And then how do I translate that if I'm a responsible, competent, ethical member of the learning and development community into things that I should be doing that are in service to my customers and to their needs. I think that's a good place to wrap this conversation. So much of what we do in many realms lives downstream from culture. <laughs> and I think that's that's where it's at if we're trying to have that culture where we do know how to innovate and see things. And while I'm on the topic of culture, I'm going to plug episode two of this show. I have a conversation with Mark Rosenberg on learning culture. I think it's we've got a natural tie-in to part of this conversation. But Dr. Bayless, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Hope and to I'll, have you back again soon. I will. And I will go listen to Mark's podcast again myself. It reminds me that I haven't heard it in a while and haven't talked to him a while, and I should probably make up for both of those Fantastic. <laughs> I see an uptick on my stats already. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To catch up on all of our shows, subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Learning Circle is produced and distributed by the Defense Acquisition University.